Hello and welcome. My name is Daniel Delgado and you're listening to Focus on Focus. A podcast centering around an open dialogue and conversations with creatives focus on finding more questions than answers. This is just the second episode and hopefully making our way to my mom's refrigerator. I mean, if my mom's refrigerator was like a smartphone or something. But anyways, I got feedback from the first episode and it really helps. After you listen to today's episode, you can follow us on Instagram at unfocus.am or check the website. That way you can find show notes and other details about the show and and stuff. Cool stuff. So check it out. For this episode, we have Brittany Newman, photojournalist born and raised in New York, who's been working with the New York Times as a photography fellow. Brittany, while being early on in her career, has a mature level of work and is able to capture her subjects in a creative and poignant way. You know, capturing emotion and feelings as a record for people to relate to and understand, she's been able to cover the Biden Bloomberg campaign trail, the ongoing pandemic, and most recently photographing Christian Cooper, a bird watcher who videotaped his interaction with Amy Cooper in Central Park, who was threatening to call the cops solely based on the color of Mr. Cooper's skin, which led it to making national news. Brittany's got quite the portfolio, and I'm excited for you to listen to our conversation. With all that said, let's focus in. So what got you to uh, photojournalism? When I was 13, my stepfather gave me my first camera. And it was a film camera. It was a Nikon FM10. Yeah, he just kind of like gave it to me. And I didn't, I didn't like really delve into photography and like study it until I was 15. But I like started traveling a lot. I was homeschooled through since in eighth grade. So we would go and travel to all these places and I would bring the camera and I would start taking pictures and stuff. And I'd get like, you know, I would fall in love with like National Geographic magazines and want to travel the world and just see all these different things and, understand the world through the camera that was like my tool that's like a navigating like key what was the question oh how did i get into photography yeah (laughs) like why yeah like why photojournalism you uh... it like all stems from that my ideas on photography and photojournalism have like shifted like i mean they change every day my approach what i'm like thinking and why this exists in the world and why it's important and you know yeah i think like um, I recently read an article about the fellows in, of the New York Times, and uh, you mentioned there your time during RIT, the uh, Rochester Institute of Technology, and kind of how it was a place for you to kind of learn about photojournalism and to kind of gain trust about your subject and gave you a better sense of what the human experience is and how you mentioned that photojournalism puts you at ease. What What is the human experience for you and how is and does photojournalism put you at ease? It makes you less critical. It forces you to be empathetic. I mean, you're in these people's homes, you know, and you're seeing all these things and you're using a camera to document it. How can you not feel things, you know? Like, I'm always just listening when I'm there. Like, they ask me questions and, of course, I share because that's something that I've learned to, like, get. You have to, right? You have to get received. I don't know. But like, I'm constantly like opening myself up to others like all the time. And it's like amazing that like people are doing it too. And you just like hear all these different stories and like, wow, this exists. This needs to be told. This needs to be shared. Like, like these universal themes that come out of each story that people can then relate to, which is the whole reason why it exists, I think, because then it can spark change. <laughs> you know, someone like sees something, they're like, oh, wow this is crazy and then they feel something and then they want to do something about it and they start like a nonprofit or they start a whole revolution. Yeah. I feel like when it comes to being able to talk to people and 
getting to know them and trying to get to know their stories. I feel like opening up all the time is one of those things where it can be very depleting. And I feel like going up to somebody who you may not know, you have to know what the, you know, time is such a, a crucial thing when it comes to photography and like, especially photojournalism and the whole news environment. Do you feel like you're kind of under a time limit when you're trying to, you know, get to know these people? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially at the times, like you're on assignment, you only have a limited amount of time to like, my deadlines usually are at 2.30, sometimes 11.30 a.m., 2.30, and then the end of day. And so the newspapers do by 3 p.m. And I mean, most recently, because we're covering the coronavirus, in the beginning, I was like waking up every day at like 6 in the morning. And it was like insane. You know, I like love sleep. And I I don't know. I have... I'm sleep is essential. Sleep is essential. But I'm also an insomniac. So it's like... I love staying up at night. Like, I just want to be out, you know, like, I just want to be like seeing things, you know? Yeah. I mean, with everything kind of going on with this pandemic, um, how has photojournalism changed? It's hard to connect with people. Mm. Like, you're hidden behind a mask. No one wants to be near one another. Everyone's looking at each other like you have the plague. Like, it's wild, you know? And... Yeah, you can't go into an enclosed space. You're dealing with like this invisible enemy that people are super fearful of. And it's like changing their personality, the energy and just everything. I mean, like everyone keeps talking about how what this is going to look like when this is all over. Like, you know, the buildings are still up. Everything like looks the same. Like behind closed doors, restaurants are closed, shut down forever, like iconic places. But we wouldn't know that because we haven't been to them in like two months. But it's just like a lot, but it's crazy that this is getting like the most attention of everyone. This is like one of those situations where, I mean, we, as photographers, we have to be out. We have to be around people in some kind of form. There's, there's, that's how we kind of connect. I mean, with my street photography, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm already at a distance. I'm not really one to approach people, but this sudden shift. There's almost like a different mindset to how I have to like think about photography and like how I'm going to go out and shoot. And there's a different like yeah, you have to landscape. Like anticipate. Mm-hmm. Photography is all about anticipation and being in the present. I mean, that's what at least what I found. I don't know. It's crazy. Like I walk out the street and sometimes most. I mean, sometimes I don't have my camera on. You know, and I see the craziest shit and I'm like, fuck. Like that's like amazing picture. There's been like tons of pictures that I haven't taken before that I've just like seen. And I'm like, damn. And then there's been situations where like I've gone into places where I had to put the camera down. What kind of situations? One of my like first assignments ever, ever. Like not even assignment. What am I talking about? When I was like a freshman in college, I met this guy. What was his name? Like it was something. Either way, he was like, 50 or 60 and he told me he was like an amazing black belt in karate and I was like what okay, um, these are like seven 14 pictures probably I have these in like my freshman year Lightroom but like they're, they're actually kind of incredible like I was like really shocked I was like yes like maybe I can be man golden you know <laughs> but um <laughs> was like my icon but he took me to his friend's house and this is in Rochester and this is like my first time like sort of like wandering the streets by myself like meeting people in Rochester, which was a little scary, to be honest, because I don't know how to drive, and I was there by myself, and I just 
trying to, I was trying to do, it wasn't even for like a photojournalism class. And he took me to his friend's house and I have all these names written down somewhere, but she just like opened up to me and I was like literally 18. They would all just open up to me and like tell me all these amazing, crazy things. I was like, wow. She started telling me like about her her experience with domestic abuse, this boyfriend that she had, and she started playing the guitar, singing these songs that she wrote. She had the most beautiful voice. Like just so much emotion coming out of like her voice. It was so raw. And like the whole scene was very blue. She had like this cigarette in her mouth that was the ash was like going towards the tip, you know, like it was just going out really long. And just really singing from the heart and being true and just like letting it all out. And it was just there to witness. And then she started crying, right? And I lifted up my camera for a second. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, why am I taking a picture of someone crying? I don't know. I mean, it's like... It's, it's, it's one of those things there's where... There's so many images. I'm constantly battling with these types of emotion things. You know, it's like, it's but you first have to have that connection, that trust. Mm. I don't know. There's so many different stories to tell. <laughs> right. I mean, like, with I mean, within that moment, I feel like, I don't know, as creative people in general, I feel like we're very... And I feel like this is going to be a very reoccurring theme and, and my, my conversations about how we're just very empathetic and we kind of, I don't know, I see myself as a photographer where I'm not really present within the scene, but I'm almost like, I can almost be like a kind of like a reflection or like a mirror to what is happening. And that is what's allowing me to like potentially capture this moment or that moment and if I do see someone crying it's I put myself in their shoes really easily and I almost don't want myself to be photographed if I was them so it's like it's it's a very like uh, internal battle you know is this right is this wrong is there you know there's a lot of different things that I kind of have to like weigh in that moment within that instant and you know I have 5,000 thoughts within that moment of just kind of being like is this okay When you're on a scene, right, and like you, whether it's like maybe a political rally or you're on an assignment, like one laugh or like one smile, like one smile, one teardrop can shift the kind of storytelling. When you're on a campaign trail and you're needing to document the emotion of it, I mean, I've never been to a Trump rally. I mean, that would be incredible to photograph. Right. Like so much emotion there. But I mean, yeah, you're you're really like looking through that camera similar to a gun, like you're waiting to shoot, you know, like you're just like trying to find something. And you're on the Biden uh, Biden and Bloomberg uh, campaign yeah. trail. So it's like, you know, you, you see B. one smile, you know, the, the double B. Basically, like if you see Biden like smiling and uh just like very ecstatic that could mean something but if you i don't know like even like a weirdest like smile or smirk or or even just like a nuance that could feel off could say a variety of different things and i think the same with like anybody who's on a political campaign trail with bloomberg or biden sanders and and, and whatnot you know even trump that one image could say anything until the story kind of defines what it is yeah, I mean, it's so funny. I was just talking to my friend Kala about like what the campaign trail is really like. And it's 17 hours of just eating Cheetos in the back of a white van. Literally, it's like a lot of being told what to do. A lot of like restrictions, a lot of limited mobility. 
you find that like the story kind of gives you that or you kind of put that on yourself no 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 that happens no 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 that happens because of the pr people if i could i would move all over the place but i can't be two inches from side of the face because you know like i i would try to go backstage all the time i'm seeing it essentially in the same view that the audience is which is fucked because we're journalists we're like the eyes and ears behind the scenes like you know, and it's hard. You have to make deals with these fucking PR people. It's really awful because, like, they see stories as, like, they see press. They don't see press as, like, stories. Like, media, the term press and media, like, I hate that word so much. Like, I really, I don't know. It's just, like, these negative, it's just, like, negative thoughts. Like pe- and it's mostly because of the way president who plays God, basically, to these people and people listen to him, right, are retrieving it. So it's just like when you go inside these environments, you get treated like that a little bit, you know, like you're not there. I mean, I have a I have a lot of mentors at the New York Times. One of them told me, well, everyone is over there. The New York Times photographer is like up on the roof, like looking at the shadow, like, you know, and that's what you want, right? Like you want to create something that's beautiful and art, but also telling and meaningful. And like, it's just so hard to do that with campaign trail because, and, but there are people who can do it, obviously. And they have, but it's because the PR people that limit your mobility. <laughs> it's like the worst. Right. It's, it's like, yeah, it's almost like you're, you're playing like a mental game of chess and all the pieces in the, in the, in the chessboard are uh, chained in some kind of way. And, you know, you have to get approval for each move. And I feel like that's so, I feel like that also kind of puts me in a bad mood where if I can't like get the shot that I'm looking for, because right, it's oh, oh trust me, I was in a bad mood. <laughs> I was in a bad. I would mood. be, I would be like uh, having a fit all throughout the campaign because I would just be. <laughs> I was in a bad mood, and I was eating my Cheetos still in the back in a bad mood, but like you know. eating like extra loud to make sure they know you're there. No, it's just like okay, I'm the youngest person in any room I go into. I'm 23. Everyone around me is like 30, 40, whatever, you know, mm. everyone. And like a lot of people, like I was photographing the Democratic debate in California and that was like such an amazing time. Oh my God, it was like Christmas and Cali and like so much fun. But someone thought I was like a high school student documenting this from my high school. And I was like, no. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's it's that type of feedback that you sometimes hear also while in these big campaign rooms with all these other people that, like, they try to, like, bring you down. They try to psych you out. Do you, so, I mean, like, you, you know, you're from New York, you know, you got that, like, New York attitude. I can only uh, stereotypically, you know, uh, well, it's true, you know bounce. But <laughs> I think, like, there's, there's a unfair, uh, like, an unfairness with how people kind of perceive you, right? I mean, especially because you are a photographer, like, you have and want to try and get the right story and the, the best story that you want, but you're limited by other people's perception and the way that they kind of see you coming in, you know, they're like, they, they just already assume. And I think like the fact that they, on top of that, you know, with the negative connotations of like, you know, what you're thinking about the press and the media and like what these terms mean for you, I feel like that just puts an extra layer of where, where can you move and how can you like project yourself to get outside of that? You know, mm-hmm. it's like the whole like double standards. I feel like, you know, there's always a little bit of that too, where maybe somebody doesn't like totally recognize 
this person just because they're dressing this way or gender this, you know, the appearance feels as if they're like in the right place. And that adds to the environment or like the, the atmosphere, you know, it's like, have you thought of like ways to get around that or do you just kind of like bold, you know, kind of bullshit through or, you know, what am I, what am I saying? Bulldozer through to get that shot. Has, has that no, yeah, I'm always bulldozing through. I don't let anything stop me. I'm always going to just be me, you know, in those environments, like, it's different. Like, when I'm talking about, like, going to, like, stories, okay, shooting campaign trails and editorial stuff is way different than shooting stories sometimes. When you're in a press event, like, literally a press event, you're not there for anything else, but, like, and it's it's just hard. Okay, I'll take the Harvey Weinstein trial, for example. Like, documenting that... You're there for him, right? But there's also mm. all these other emotions, all these other factors that are happening in the frame, too, that, like, no one is looking at. And it's hard to, like, you really feel like you're, like, an ant or, like, a, I don't even know. Like, what's another animal that, like, follows, like, a pack? Um, worm? I don't know. Uh, oh, worm? Yeah, maybe. No. Maybe. <laughs> a hyena. Like, you just, like, when you're in those types of environments, you hear, a, like, a, like, a shutter, and you're, like, what are they looking at? What are they seeing? You know, mm. like, what am I not seeing? And you lose all sense of everything. You forget how to see, right? You basically go blind in those events. At least I do. And I feel you like just a lot come out of it kind of like what just happened. Yeah, mostly you know? because I know I wasn't using my eyeballs. Like I was, I was like the blind leading the blind. Like I was literally like allowing the other sounds of the shutter to like control because you're surrounded by all these people that work for like AP and Getty. And like, if they work for these names and you know, they're going to get the shot, you know? And it's weird that like, I have this, I just like follow their lead because I've looked up to those like pictures and those names for so long, you know, as like, those are like the best in my mind, but they're like not at the same time. And when you go see them like in person, you're like, shit, why am I following them? You know, like I have my voice in my own eyes. It's just, it's so different. I think that says a lot because I think there's a lot to it where just because you see the herd in one spot, you're like kind of almost, there's like a sense of like FOMO, you know, like you're kind of like, you're you're feeling as if you're going to miss out on like a particular shot. But in this case, it's like you have to think about, okay, that shot is already taken. So what is the next one? What is like the next move? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think there's a lot of it that you kind of have to play a step ahead of everybody else. And I, I totally feel I can like, I've never really fully been in that kind of like headspace of like the shutter. Well, in a way, cause I feel like with my background, um, I was, uh, working with like the White Sox and there are like AP people that are like, yeah. you know, uh, people from different like, uh, newspapers around you taking a photo or they, they leave. So like, weird. The the inning, and you're like, where are you going? There's and so like, many movies that like talk about that aspect in a really negative way, which I'm so happy that they do. Like in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, like when you've never seen it, it's amazing. It's Johnny Depp playing Hunter S. Thompson, who's like a fucking acid taking bozo bonzo. Like he created bonzo journalism and like he's just like he's amazing. And yeah, his like photographer that he had with him, his photojournalist, he would be like were those gunshots? Did you hear that? Let's go find it. And it's just like the worst, you know, like that's what that type of environment is like. It's anything for the shot. Like, what did you, like, you know, like you're not really like slowing down and taking things in. You're just kind of like, oh, it's crazy. It's like you took like five shots of espresso. 
it's no, almost like, like the, the the what's it called like the celebrity like the people who a little bit it's like, everything it's you know? weird you know you're surrounded it's like by a, it's like a, that that mindset is for me like what are you that is a little bit of an extra level of like i don't know what you're doing with photography but that's not it do you think like the variety of stories that um that you go into help or do you think there's just experience and just over time you feel like you're developing as a photographer you know i think like is it one particular story or is it just the variety of them yeah no like the variety definitely affects the way i shoot i've learned so many new things since last year in june like i've learned more about how to use a flash finally um different lenses create different moods create different compressions that in turn like affects the way the image is being made and like what you're like how you're like illustrating it you know so like and it's good that that happens because then like when you're really doing this type of work that you really love to do then you can like use all those things as tools in your back pocket mm. what's been like a good tool for you since working with uh the new york times i mean saying that you work for the new york times isn't a bad why <laughs> obviously it's a dream but the name helps yeah but it doesn't help all that much either like again not a lot of people like the New York Times there's all these different again like back to that press media thing that like people see it as press and media and it's not like they don't take in consideration the amount of beautiful like visual story legit documentary like award winning pieces as it made Mm-hmm. on like actual stories they think of the big like media tents and like all that type of stuff but the biggest yeah i mean the gear they get provide me all the gear and just like the support like just having that as like a backbone and i used to think about it in college i used to daydream like what if i worked for like the new york times would it be easier because like i would wonder if it'd be easier to get into people's homes like would it be easy and it's it's different instead it depends like it's like People want to be featured in the newspaper, but then sometimes some don't. And then it also depends on like what type of story. Like a story has to get approved for the Times to pick it up. And some stories, even though they're like real and like kind of crazy, like maybe it's not for that audience. A lot of factors that kind of go go into it. You know, there's you shooting, there's a writer that maybe accompanying you, right? And then it kind of goes down into the editing uh aspect of it it's the whole team it's cool because i mean i'm really big on the process i used to work at a production company before this it was a small production company but like team really matters you know in order to get things done i don't know i i like it all like i like i like the artistic side of it but i also like the processy like you know making document side of it too you know i feel like you need both of that for sure do you think with you know working at a place like the new york times and being so surrounded by uh, what I can imagine is the experience of what journalism could be. And for you kind of like really stepping into this field, do you think you're kind of getting a better sense of, of, of an awareness to what the next story could be or maybe the next critical moment in a story? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. There's like awareness, like self-awareness. I'm definitely aware of like, I mean... Yeah. What's awareness to you and in, in in the story and like what is the self awareness aspect when you're there shooting? 
I mean, you kind of lose yourself when you're in an environment. But you also have to be like, there's like contextual awareness too. Like, like one time I was documenting this um, lawyer and he, his name is Sanford Rubenstein and he's a, the lawyer for all police brutality cases that you've ever like heard of. You know, like the really famous ones like Eric Garner and like I was documenting him attending this Black Lives Matter march in New York that started at like 125th Street and we'd go down right in front of the Natural History Museum and we're documenting this guy who, well, the guy passed away. He was having like a heart attack basically in the back of the police car. The police guys were like laughing at him and saying like, no, you're not. And he died in the back of the cop car because they didn't believe him. And like Stanford is like, the guy's lawyer and the family's lawyer and you have to be aware of everything that's like happening in that situation you know like you have to be sensitive like you can't just fucking put a camera in someone's face like you have to talk to these people and like put that thing down and tell them like how you feel you're like in this like crate you know and you're not invited either. like I was just kind of like tagged along and there's other photographers that are there and I mean they're all being sensitive but like there's other moments and times where like it's similar atmosphere and like they're not being sensitive and you're like what the hell you know yeah. like when I see like a sudden movement I mean sometimes I might be daydreaming but at the same time I'm seeing something on the street that looks like a dream like it's so fantastical and like wild and unreal and you're like what like for example one time I saw it was the beginning of coronavirus in New York I wanted to do this story that was I didn't end up doing it because I got sick and I like couldn't really shoot for like a couple of weeks because oh, I had to stay aside. Like I took a walk and I saw this old woman like jump, like using her jump rope or no, not jump rope. She had like, she was doing jumping jacks and like working out in the middle of her hallway, like on the street level, like of a door that you like go into into an apartment. And it was like a bright yellow light that was like illuminating her and everything else kind of bluish. You know, because like dark at night in the street. Yeah. Like she was like working out, and it was hilarious. I was like, wow, like so many people now are like working out in quarantine. <laughs> Gyms are closed and stuff. So it's like, and like you never really realize like all these people that like exist. Right. Like so fucking crazy. Like right now, as we speak, there's millions of people just doing whatever, and it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like with the whole like you know physical distancing and social distancing kind of like aspect, what's going on now? There's there's like a new level of connection that's kind of like happening. And I feel like images and the way that we are relaying these images, you know, via whether it's FaceTime, Zoom, and really putting yourself into a new space. And I think that new space is a very, um, it's been there, but it hasn't really been fully used. And now that we are using it, it's kind of like we're adapting to this environment. You know, we're kind of being more aware of like, oh, you know, like, I am here sitting alone. I'm now in my thoughts. I'm staring at the ceiling and wow, like I have to check on that one spot. You know, there's wow, I have to like go work out now, but like I can't so I have to do it inside. There's a lot of things that I feel like that awareness aspect is happening with people. And I think that it's interesting when, when you're talking about um, being in a scene and you're not like invited, you know, you're not, there's that sense of you're just an outsider. But there's also like an aspect to it where you need to find like the truth and accuracy in the scene. Cause like, what is the, what is truth? You know, like what is like the best version of the truth? I feel like that just like holds so many different like aspects of the perception of like who the person is and what is, you know, the context to what is going on. 
Like, what is your definition of the truth? I mean, my presence is always going to affect something. Always. There's not going to be one moment where, like, if I wasn't there, you know what I mean? Things happen because of other, it's like a domino effect. Like, some things wouldn't have happened if I wasn't there, if I was there in certain scenes of things. That I, you know what I mean? But the truth is, like, the fact. If you're doing a story of the background of someone, trust but verify. You want to get that information. Like, I've had a lot of people, like, tell me, like, crazy stories. You know, they're wild stories, but at the same time, like, they're also, like, kooks, you know? Some people want to have their story told, and a lot of people want to be listened to. You just have to trust but verify. But with the Times, like, I work with a reporter. My truth is, like, my images. You know, I'm not, never photoshopping anything in my pictures, never making something, like, look and appear like it's not there. I mean, portrait photography is interesting because you want to encapsulate the personality of someone. So that is a post portrait, so there's more of, like, style and design in that. I mean, there is truth to it. It all depends. There's different styles and ways to go about it. But, yeah, I had I had a conversation with uh, my friend Adriana about the truth and how it's kind of like a self-perception. It's a, we kind of guide our own sense and we're kind of like, there is like a, a sense of like, we're kind of bound to the situation, but the situation, so there's so much in flux. There's mm-hmm. so much going on. And like, yeah, as you write, it's like, you're, you being there is an instrument to something that could happen you know Mm -hmm. and if you weren't there something could also have happened and i think that's super interesting because i think we're kind of guided all through this experience but the fact that we're there together contradicting what might actually happen or like what is assumed to be a thing that could happen what's next for you my fellowship ends in one week sad but I know the relationships that I've built so far and the work that I've made I have faith that I'll just keep going I think it was crazy and hard but actually I think I just wasn't like ready for it you know like I just graduated college all these people that I do as soon as I graduated I was like what the hell like you know everyone's like moving at their different speed again don't have to follow the path like I can go at my own time and so like you're like as I'm maturing, like, each year, I'm going to learn new things and make different work. And however, an amount of time that comes and, like, with who. Like, my ideas are constantly changing, like, in the way that I want to tell stories, too. Like, I have so many ideas to create, like, interactive, immersive pieces that incorporate storytelling. I love 360 video. I love virtual reality. You know, like, there's just so many ways to, like, put someone into, like, the middle of the story and feel it. And, like, I right. love, like, books and, like, movies and animation. Like, all that works, too. Hey, yeah. like, I'm, I'm an artist, you know. Like, I like I like art. Like, I draw and paint. I do printmaking. I've done ceramics. Like, I studied a lot of it, different stuff. So, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm in all. This is yeah. the time. I, I feel like there's that sense of time that we have now is uh, we're all kind of rotating around the sun at our own speeds and um, everything's kind of like slowing down a little bit, but we can, we are in control of it now. Like before it was very much uh, a time where it was like, I mean, we still have social media and that's still a factor, but it, it was a slowness to how we can consume things and how, what we do in the day. And I think that's a, that's a power that we as like a society can now like have again. Um, mm-hmm. so that's great no I love that 
I appreciate you for taking the time to to talk with me and, and go over all these different aspects of photojournalism and storytelling. Thank you. Um, where can people find you? Uh, and, you know, give that, uh, give, uh, give people a chance to like see your work more. My Instagram is at B Newman photo and my website is Brittany Newman.com. B R I T T A I N Y. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brittany, for your time and energy in our conversation. So excited to see more of your work in the future. Everyone, make sure to follow her on Instagram at bnewmanphoto. All links will be included in the show notes. And I appreciate you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I'm still learning a lot. And if you can leave a review and rate the show, your feedback is greatly appreciated. And while you're at it, subscribe and follow us to keep yourself up to date. Big shout out to the musically talented Charlie Cooper for the intro and outro music. Without him, this podcast would totally sound like my ninth grade attempts at GarageBand. And another shout out to my friends who have inspired me continuously throughout this project. Hope you guys are staying safe out here. Places are opening back up and lots of activism and protests, peaceful protests are happening across the country. And it's great to see. And that brings me to the topic of our next episode, which is the ethics of photography under the current Black Lives Matter movement and what it means to be a photographer in these spaces. Stay tuned. Stay healthy. See you next time.